the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Our text is taken from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. The title of the message is A Transformed Mind. A Transformed Mind. Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affections of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. A man was driving over the speed limit because he has a new car and he wants to test it out and sure enough there was a police cruiser that got right behind him with the lights blaring so he said to himself I wonder if I could outrun this police vehicle <laughs> and so the race was on stepped on it 60 70 80 and finally a hundred miles per hour and when he realized he couldn't outrun the cruiser he finally pulled over and gave up. Obviously, the cop went out of the car, drew his gun, and says, come out of the car, and ask the man, I want you to think, the policeman says, of one reason why I shouldn't put you in jail. And the man thought about it for a second, and he said, officer, three weeks ago, my wife left me for a police officer. And I thought it was you trying to bring her back to me. <laughs> all right, at least you got that one. I'm sure all of us have made decisions in life and later on ask ourselves, what was I thinking? Often knowing and recognizing that we have made a blunder and we try to justify and makes, make excuses or try to explain away our response by the actions that we have just committed. That's why the way we think determines a great deal about where our life is heading, in what direction our lives will be moving. The mind is the central processing center, if you will, by which our responses to life situations are made. 
The mind is where the Holy Spirit imparts wisdom and understanding to those who have trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior by faith. The mind is that spiritual battleground where the deceitfulness of the world, the degradation of the flesh, and the destructive activities of the devil are all fought. It's all a battle waged in the mind. So we need to learn how to establish the way we think. If we have any chance at all to live out the Christian life in any kind of victory, we need to learn how to nurture and develop the way we think as followers of Jesus. For the next several Sundays, we will look at the letter of Paul to the Philippians. This is one of his uh, great epistles written while he was incarcerated, while he was in Rome, in jail. The book or the letter is about the process of nurturing the Christian mind. Again, it's part of, uh, of Paul's, what you call, prison epistles, those letters that were written while Paul was in jail. Now, that's a very important thing to consider because the, the whole letter to the Philippians is about Paul imparting to us his mindset about how to deal with what we're dealing with in life in general. How do we respond in our thinking when we are hit by the different adversities that come to life. Philippians is filled with a wealth of theological and practical spiritual truths. There are many themes in Philippians, okay? The themes of uh, humility can be seen in, in Philippians. The theme of generosity, the theme of harmony, and of course, uh, a big part of the letter to the Philippians is the theme of joy, Okay, But the main theme that anchors all of these things within the letter is the theme of nurturing and developing the way we think as believers so that we can respond in victory in any and every situation. And we will see that in this letter. We will see how the Apostle Paul's mind works, you know, and how he thought the early church, on how to respond to, by the way they think to the situations that they face in life. So if you're here this morning or if you're watching or listening today, if you want to know how to think and how to respond to life's challenges as a follower of Jesus, you should stay with us for the next several Sundays because that's what we're going to look for. That's what we're going to determine and discuss. Now, the letter to the Philippians, especially this passage that we just read, gives us four insights into how the mind of the Apostle Paul works and how he imparts his own thinking to the church at Philippi and to all of us today. Okay, We know that our minds have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit with these four insights. Number one, if you're taking notes, a transformed mind prays for the continuous spread of the gospel. So if you're saying to yourself, well, I'm a Christian. How do I know that my mindset is truly a Christian mindset? Well, the first insight into that is what Paul has just uh, delivered to us, has just mentioned to us. A, the Christian mind prays for the continuous spread of the good news 
of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel. Look again in verses 3 to 5. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Notice that Paul was very happy about Christians partnering with him in the advancement of the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a remarkable sense of continuity. You know, if you're a Christian, the good news preoccupies your mind. It's in your mind because that's part of our calling as followers of Jesus. We have a remarkable sense of continuity in, 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 in our minds and we think about ways to spread the good news to others. Paul was saying that, that the Philippians are focused not only on praying actively for the, for the, for the people to come to the knowledge of, of uh, the saving grace of Jesus, but they're also actively participating in the spread of the gospel from the first time they heard it until this very day, Paul says, because it's in their mind. You know, how would you respond when you receive a blessing? Let me just ask you today. If you re re, uh, receive the blessing from God, whether it's big or small, how would you handle it? How would you respond to that? Many years ago, this was back in the 80s, I ran into a restaurant in Palo Alto. You know, just, just purely by accident. And uh, I don't remember the restaurant. This was a long time ago. But I knew I had the best pastrami sandwich I have ever tasted in that restaurant. I mean, it was so good that for the next several years, for, for the most part of the mid-80s, I went there for lunch. And you know what? I never told anybody about that restaurant. I never did. Why? Because I want to keep it to myself. You know, I want to eat there, but I don't want crowds. I don't want to line up, especially at lunchtime. Because when people found out that they have the best pastrami sandwich, guess what? I'm going to lose my spot. I'm going to go sh have to share it with everybody else. And so I decided I'm going to be quiet about it because I want to keep it to myself. That's, that's the, uh, the, the Jonah attitude, you know. You know, remember the prophet Jonah. God said to him, the people of Nineveh needed to repent. They needed to come to a relationship with the one true God. And what did uh, uh, Jonah do? He says, I hate those guys. They don't deserve to be blessed by you. So what did he do? He went the other way. He simply ignored the call of God. Can you imagine if that's our attitude about the gospel? You see, loved ones, if you're listening to my voice, if you are a follower of Jesus, listen, okay, this is in your mind. You knew exactly what you received in Jesus. You received forgiveness, eternal salvation. You're going to have a home in heaven. When you die, you're going to heaven, okay? The people you love, if they come to faith in Jesus, they will be in heaven. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to share that? So you know that you have a Christian mindset when you start feeling that burden in your heart and you start thinking of ways on how to perpetuate that good news and how to make sure that other people hear it 
I'm speaking to Christians this morning. By the way, the church are for the followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not understanding a thing I'm saying. Okay? I mean, that's just a fact. <laughs> okay? But if you open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and you receive him as your Lord and Savior and you begin to walk the walk of faith, believe me, this will be in your mind. And Paul says, I am so glad for your partnership. This is in your mind. It's not only in your heart. This is in your mind. You're thinking of ways to help me spread the good news of salvation that comes from Jesus Christ. You know, our society today um, are go is going against, you know, this type of thing. You know, I hear people say all the time, I, you know, I hear even Christians say this to me all the time. Forgive me if I, you know, if I elaborate on this. Have you heard the phrase, your faith is between you and God? You hear that all the time. The wrong answer. Our faith is not between just God and us. This faith that once and for all delivered to the saints was meant to be in our minds, was meant to be in our hearts. We were meant to think of ways how we can share it with other people. Because when the Spirit of God gets a hold of your heart and gets a hold of your mind, you can't help but think about how you're going to share this good news that you receive once you've heard it and accepted it you want to be, be able to share it with other people. That's how Christian thinks. That's how we show our love for other people. We don't just say we love you with, we love people with all our hearts. We also find ways, think of ways that we can share the gospel. The gospel is not something we just feel in the inside of us. It's something that preoccupies our minds on a regular basis. And we proclaim this gospel to people because that's the way we think. You know, I, I'm a preacher and I, I, I take a risk every time I proclaim the good news to people. Because proclaiming the good news to people entails telling people the truth. Amen? You know, as a Christian, you found out what God loves and what God hates. So when you know the word of God, you know what God says, you know what you do? You proclaim that truth. And sometimes people reject the truth. But nevertheless, we proclaim the truth not because we hate people, but we love people. We want people to know the truth. When we go and oppose certain lifestyles, we're not doing that because we hate people. We're doing it because we love people. It's in our mind. How can I reach you? Because God has given us this redemption, has given us this, this, this salvation. And so we need to think of ways on how... We could impart that to people. Don't, don't take the things that you do for the gospel very lightly. Okay? Because it speaks volumes about how we think. You know, before Easter, I had announced uh, that the church is going to sponsor uh, a lunch. And you know what? A lot of you approached me. And a lot of you even called me. And, you know, this is, this is really... This is really enriches my heart. And I can't thank God enough because a lot of you came up to me and says, Pastor, what can we do? Uh, do you want us to bring things for the Easter? 
uh, some, some even call and said, Pastor, I receive, we receive a blessing from work and we want to share it. We want to make sure that, that, that we're responding the right way to God. And, and maybe some of you are thinking, well, this is just the right thing to do. This is just a nice thing to do. Please don't think that way. I want you to know every time you come forward and say, can I do this for the Lord? Can I do that for the Lord? You're showing your mindset. I know you're thinking about the Lord. And you know what? Better yet, God knows what's in your mind. So I'm very appreciative of that because, you know, as a, as a pastor, you're thinking, are people really getting what you're talking about Sunday in and Sunday out? You yak for about four to five minutes to an hour? I can tell you it's bearing fruit <laughs> because I hear from you. I mean, this tent didn't come up on their own, you know. Pastor didn't have a miraculous hand that says, be done. There's no such thing. These things happen. We're here this morning because you decided that you're going to put on the mind of Christ. Because I'm certainly going to put this up. If, they, if going to heaven involves putting up a tent, I'm taking you all somewhere else. Because there's like three of us that tried to put up one of these. You know, took us like three hours. Three hours, Eric. <laughs> Between Ben and I, this would have been a 13-hour job. So I thank you because I, you understand what it means. Don't take that lightly. Don't take it lightly. It's a testimony that your mind, your mind is thinking about ways to be able to be part of that gospel. It's all part of the gospel. So don't, don't take it lightly. Oh, you know, Pastor, I just do this for the church. I just do that for the church. I don't even, yeah, fine. You know, I, I, I get it. You, you want to do the right things. But monitor that kind of attitude because that's exactly what the Spirit of God is doing. That's exactly how, what the Spirit of God is, is trying to, 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 to bring out in the open. Colossians 1, 5, 6, Paul wrote this. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it ha has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Okay? So the gospel is bearing fruit. It's bearing fruit. And how do you know it's bearing fruit? It brings your mind to the things of God. Now, secondly, a transformed mind, the mind of a follower of Jesus, is perpetually committed to spiritual growth. So, not only does the Christian mind always pray for the continuous spread of the gospel, but it also perpetually committed to spiritual growth. Look again in verse 6, one of the great verses in the Bible. Paul says, being confident of this. What? Con confidence in the gospel. Con confidence in Christ. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. A Christian continually and consistently evaluating their progress in the faith. Okay? That's another sign. You, uh, you and I are always thinking about ways we can progress in our walk with the Lord. One of the most telling signs that we are born again is that we are committed to growing spiritually. 
We're not just sitting down uh, trying to see how things will develop in our lives. We're not just sitting around saying, okay, if I'm going to grow, I'm going to grow, you know. I mean, if you're that way, you need to start having the mind of Christ because a Christian thinks about ways we can progress, okay? Uh, sometimes Christian think, Christians think that be when we become Christians, we're automatically going to grow. In fact, I was at the church uh, a long time ago, and I heard a preacher said this. He said, once you become a Christian or once you're born again, all right, it's just like being born physically. He says, have you noticed a baby, when the baby is born, the baby has nowhere to go but to grow, unless it dies, of course, right? I mean, those of you who had children, they will grow, and some of them will grow, not just physically, right? And he said something to the effect that, hey, um, you know, if, if, as long as you give it some basic necessities, you know, food, clothing, and all of that, uh, it, will, it won't stay as a baby. It will grow. It might grow pale and weak, but it will grow. It's just like saying the Christian life is like that. You don't have to do anything if you just get the basic things going that you will automatically grow because you can't help but grow. That's kind of true, but it isn't completely true. We are responsible for growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're responsible for that. And part of growing in the faith is developing a mindset that always thinks about ways to progress. Okay? I want to make that clear because a lot of people have that kind of mindset. You know, and, you know they borrowed from that great theologian Doris Day. Whatever will be, will be. The future is not ours to see. That doesn't work in the Christian life. I want to tell you, we're responsible for our own spiritual growth, not the church. In fact, if you think about it, some churches, we can get you right down back to the world, you know. Not any pastor. No pastor is smart enough to get you to grow spiritually. Not a single one of us have that smart. In fact, we're doing the same thing. We're, we're trying to grow spiritually. Well, pastor, you've been a pastor since uh, the days of Methuselah. You were a pastor when Abraham Lincoln was president, you know. I mean, we, we, we think that just because we've been in the faith for 100 years doesn't mean we've grown spiritually, right? A lot of people, you know, pastor, I'm struggling with my marriage. I've been married to my wife for 75 years. You're still struggling. There's an, there's an ongoing process of spiritual growth. And we're responsible for it. Why do you think God established the body of Christ? It's for that purpose. Why do you think God sent the Holy Spirit? For what purpose? Right? To grow us. Why do you think God has given us his infallible, inerrant word? So that we can grow spiritually. Because nobody else can get you to grow but you, empowered by the Spirit of God. And so if you're a Christian this morning, that not only is your mind preoccupied by spreading the gospel, you are perpetually committed to growing spiritually. Okay? Romans 12 articulates this. You know, this is one of the first verses in the Bible that I have memorized because I knew how important this verse is. Romans 12, verse 1. I urge you, beseech you, encourage you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Because this is your reasonable way and act of worship. Now it says, 
do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not a suggestion. It's not a nice thing to say. It is a commandment. We are responsible for the transformation of our own mind. And we don't do this alone, by the way. We do this by the power of the Spirit of God who has been given to us on the day of Pentecost. And some of you are saying, well, I already know that, Pastor. Knowing something doesn't mean it's, it's, it's in our minds on a perpetual basis, okay? So it's always good to go back to these basic things of the faith. We are to transform the way we think so we can know God in a deeper and more profound way. This is not a one-time deal. When you become a Christian, there's a period of time when God will take you through different things. He will take you through the valleys. He will take you through, uh, uh, you know, through the forest. He will take you through all kinds of different things in life for the purpose of growing you and I. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.